0: Listen. Right. California. Weather headlines for today. Yes.
1: Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell.
0: Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today, we're going to be talking about go-to-market strategies for B2B SaaS founders. Joining us is Patrick Thorpe, who is the co-founder at Founders Revenue Academy, which is an online platform made for the founders of B2B technology companies, providing with the commercial skills they need to succeed. The platform collates over 50 years of experience helping over 100 B2B startups establish a revenue engine. And yesterday, Patrick and I talked about the B2B founders go-to-market playbook. And today, we're going to continue our conversation to discuss why revenue over sales. Okay, here's my conversation with Patrick Thorpe, the co-founder at Founder Revenue Academy. Patrick, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Doug. So really interesting. And I have to say that the nuance here in this title, folks, is, I believe, and Patrick's going to tell me if I'm right or wrong. the nuance here is that what we're really not talking about is whether or not you need revenue. You clearly need revenue. Yesterday, we spent time talking about how the journey is different from zero to one versus one to five and further. And I think, Patrick, if I'm wrong, let me know. But what we're talking about here is when to be worried about revenue versus when to be worried about sales and selling. Is that the is that the tact we're on today?
1: Yeah, so it's a reframe as opposed to one without the other. So it's not saying that you, they're mutually exclusive sales and revenue. It's just creating and instilling a culture within a business where you think about revenue first. Because as soon as you do that, everything that you do from a go-to-market and revenue function aligns everybody. So to kind of give you an example, when businesses start to get bigger, you start to have a marketer, uh, or a marketing team, a sales team, and a customer success team, if we take SAS, Parlance, and Lexington. And then usually, there is an orchestrator at the top of that called the chief revenue officer, and they're looking at all of these three different departments and how they stitch together. And the clue is in the name for them. It's revenue. And so, therefore, one can deduce that everything that marketing does in terms of lead generation, demand generation, how is that attributed to bottom line revenue? How is what sales do attributed to bottom line revenue? How is what customer success do attributed to bottom line revenue? And bringing that all together so everybody is seeing off the same song sheet, from my experience, just resetting what it means, just by thinking in terms of revenue and sales, suddenly everything becomes a lot clearer.
0: And I think that's an important element of the B2B SaaS business world that I think we all understand, almost have to understand from birth, if you will, which is that that revenue cycle is not about sales. In fact, SaaS is really about creating a relationship with a customer, not about actually closing business, right? We're not transactional. And therefore, that perspective for founders certainly, I think, is the correct one, because I think what I'm going to guess, Patrick, happens quite often is, They're worried about that for sale as they should be, right? That journey to 1 million. That's the thing that they're concerned about. But ultimately, it's teaching these folks that they're creating a virtuous that this goes well and repeatable revenue cycle. Is this the point where you're starting to help founders understand things like net recurring revenue, Patrick?
1: Yeah, there's two revenue lines that a founder should be interested in to make things simple. Net new revenue and existing revenue. They're, they're, They're the two. So net new No one has ever transacted before the first time you've engaged a particular customer. Existing revenue, upsell, cross-sell, renewal revenue, that kind of thing. So if we kind of take those as two buckets, if you like, initially, you're going to be focused more on net new revenue because clearly you don't have many customers to serve or to retain as yet if you're in the first couple of years of trading. And so that's where we're really looking at our first few contracts and whether they can be multi-years, then fantastic just because it's a bit more sticky and it's what investors want to see. But then also our attention will start to turn towards those businesses that are looking or coming up to their renewal period and how we can best do that because the customer success piece, account management, portfolio management, however people want to turn it, it is still sales, but it's a different type you're convincing people or suggesting they should stay with you for reasons at ABC, and both of those elements need to be thought of when looking at the revenue function of a business. So that's what I mean in terms of just thinking in terms of revenue as opposed to just sales. Because as you you said, you used the right word, which is sales has connotations of it being slightly transactional, which if we're in B2B SaaS, it's the last thing we want to do, especially now given the macro
0: conditions. And I'm curious, how often do you find that, and again, we're gonna distinguish between the, the zero to one million and the one to fives here, but how often do you find that founders show up understanding that they have to make a choice in terms of the go-to-market model? And, and you know the examples that come to mind for me off the top of my head are, you know is this gonna be a product-led growth play, which I would assume that's something that's gotta be built in really early. In other words, making your product backwards compatible for PLG would be tough. It's possible, I'm sure, but tough. Or whether they're looking at something more traditional, like an outbound motion combined with an inbound motion, or whether they're thinking fairly in a fairly sophisticated way, or are they at the point where they can say, I know I'm going to be account-based. So where are founders typically entering this journey with you guys. Do they understand the difference, of say, between PLG and more traditional channels? Or is this a part of what you're doing here in terms of education, making them think about that? Or are you saying, you know what, zero to one? Don't worry about it. Just get to a million.
1: Do found would would founders typically know the difference? No, they wouldn't typically. And again, I'm I'm speaking from a, a purely a sort of UK perspective at, at the moment. I don't know what the the what it's like in the in the US. But no, I mean, if you were to say just you just say well, product led and sales team assisted, or we're doing sales team with product assisted, or things like that, or we lead with curiosity and intrigue, and then we look to try and establish use case and things like that. Straight away, we've used very, very specific sales language, which if someone doesn't come from that background, it's not going to help them. And so as part of the Founder Revenue Academy, that's exactly what we try to do, is try and be able to say that these are some of the options that you need to be able to do, and these are the pros and cons of each of them. So if you have a product that, for example, could sit above a CRM platform, and you could click on it and there was a free trial, then... That's absolutely what you should do, that's product led, and so therefore it's going to be a very different conversation than if you are phoning people, ambushing people, because let's call it what it is if you're doing outbound, bringing something that they didn't know existed, and being able to persuade them that this is you know these ideas or these new insights that you've got are worth spending 20 minutes talking about. So I think in that point, it's very different, dependent upon what their technology is who they're selling to, what problem it is that it solves. And that's why on the previous episode, we talked about the problems, the ICP and the buyer persona. If you don't have those things in place, it's very, very difficult to to do a go-to-market because where are you going to go?
0: Right. So if I've done my homework and I've followed the playbook, nine steps, and I've really thought these things through, it feels like what you're saying, Patrick, is quite often the go-to-market model isn't self-obvious, but it's much, much clearer. So as an example, I've got my 600 contacts. I identified 100 accounts when I go after. I have six contacts per account. I've got those 600 contacts. And I begin to campaign out to these folks. And I understand this is a high-demand thing. I've really hit on something here, right? My playbook might be slightly different than if I'm creating a whole new category, if you will. In other words, it's a product that didn't exist before. And so that probably becomes a bit more clear as long as you've done your homework.
1: Absolutely. So, so let, let's take two specific examples here. So, on the one side, you're selling marketing technology to VPS of marketing in the Bay Area as your sort of town. Right. Whilst I've been there, I would imagine that there is quite a well under, the Martech category is pretty well understood there. There's lots of competitors. It's anything but a Greenfield site, so you kind of would be able to understand and quite quickly understand who's going to potentially buy your stuff. On the other side, let's say that you've got a decentralized finance infrastructure play. They're difficult to understand for most. i worked in that space, I can say. It's difficult to understand if you're not a computer science major, but then trying to understand who's going to buy your stuff. Is it going to be innovation leads? Is it going to be startups? Is it going to be enterprise? Is it going to be hubs within financial services, within banks specifically? Or is it going to be Fortune 1000 or whatever it might be? That's category development. And that's going to be a lot more or heavier on the evangelizing of education parts of your sales motion. So my suggestion would be that sales cycle is going to be a lot longer because you're going to have to educate people. You don't have to educate people as much for a piece of marketing technology that maybe looks at how people interact with your site and hotspots on your particular site. Because it's, it's things, things that I think people understand. So it's going to be horses for courses, to, to, to take a British phrase, but it will be dependent upon the tech, what you're selling, who you're selling to, and how many people even in the market. Right? Because even though you might have identified a hundred companies, not everyone's going to be in the market and you're not going to win all of them.
0: And then Patrick, to close this out today, how often do you find yourself in a place where this idea of revenue holistically, and especially for B2B SaaS, how often do you find yourself in a spot where you're evangelizing this concept? In other words, how often do you find yourself in this place where people are slapping their head and going, I hadn't thought about, thinking about revenue kind of as a core attribute in terms of how I'm organizing things? Or are people better educated these days? Or are they understanding this as they move forward?
1: So there's been quite a seismic shift in this that I've noticed. So I would say that the West Coast uh, is to get ill-tapen, actually. So I would say the West Coast is maybe 18 months ahead of the UK in terms of trends. And so we saw that. With the introduction of the chief revenue officer role, three years ago, it was not understood. CRO in the UK, people thought chief risk officer. They didn't think chief revenue officer. And so that was the first sort of piece. Then we started to see more CRO roles come um, come into the UK and people understanding we need an orchestrator at the top of this. And it's different to a VP of sales. I've, I've written a lot about the differences between the two. So companies are now understanding the importance of revenue over sales. You see a lot more chief revenue officers than chief sales officers, for example. And you also need to be a little bit cognizant at one point, though, is some businesses try and hire a chief revenue officer too early. Sometimes there isn't those three functions we talked about. And we haven't even touched on RevOps yet, but if those three functions aren't in place then my argument would be that actually you don't need a CRO at the moment. You just need to fill these spots out. You need a VP of sales and you need to be able to to kind of get these um, first few sales, even at the founder level, that those first few sales over yourself before you even think about a CRO. Because any CRO worth their salt will ask you some very clear questions, which will probably make it very obvious that you are a bit premature in hiring that position.
0: Well, great advice from Patrick here, folks. You know, episode one, we talked about, do your homework, right? Have your have your go-to-market plan, business plan, have its backbone, if you will, ready to go. Today, we spent quite a bit of time talking about how we need to think about revenue as really a shared function. And then ultimately, as we get to the point that we're maturing, let's say we're in that five to 10 million range, you start thinking about a central figure like a CRO who can help organize and orchestrate all the activities necessary to get to that next level of revenue. Patrick, thanks for being on the podcast today. Sure, sir. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator podcast. Thanks to Patrick Thorpe, co-founder at Founders Revenue Academy, for joining us in part three of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Patrick and I are going to dig in and discuss structuring your revenue team. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies using your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. And we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.